What's up, fam, and welcome to the Healthy Fit and Pain-Free Podcast. This podcast is meant to give you easy, implementable, no BS advice to help make you stronger, more resilient, and bring out your inner badass to help you get back to doing the things you love with the people you love. I am your host, Dr. Tyler Bordick. I am a physical therapist, a strength conditioning coach, and co-owner of Inner Strength Physio Fitness Athletics in Pittsburgh. If you're ready, jump on the bus, buckle in, and let's rock and roll. What is going on, everyone, and welcome to the Healthy, Fit, and Pain-Free Podcast. I am your host, Doc T, and we are on episode 47. Uh, I'm flying solo today because I wanted to go over 12 rules of life to max out time, max out your input, and max out your progress. This is going to be a two-part podcast because there's a lot of information in this, and I wanted you guys to really take this and kind of digest a little bit. Now... The reason I want to do this podcast is I just finished the book by Jordan Peterson called The 12 Rules of Life. Um, and really in the book he talks about you know the, the difference between how chaos and order kind of intersect within our world. And super good book. Definitely recommend you go read it. He is a clinical psychologist. Um, he has a doctor in clinical psychology. Uh, he has years upon experience. He does a lot of speaking engagements now and just has a very interesting perspective on life. Um, in the book, he utilizes both his own personal experiences, but then also, you know, that with the patients that he interacted with and some of the cases that he dealt with. It's, again, it's very fascinating. But um, I wanted to go through the twelve rules in these next in this two part series to really see how we can better improve ourselves, whether it's on a fit on our fitness journey, whether it's on our mental health journey, whether it's on our personal development journey, uh, and how to really ingrain these 12 rules of life into you know our own experiences um in our own journey kind of like he went through so without further ado here is rule number one now um keep in mind i'm trying to condense this book it's a bit it's a big book uh the audio book for it was 12 hours long i believe so i'm trying to condense this all into less than an hour all 12 rules so just you know bear with me here but rule number one Stand up straight with your shoulders back. Now, um, this makes sense, it seems like, but for some people, this is still a lesson that needs to be learned. You know, one thing about this book, I f- would find it useful if I was a kid in college, but as a parent, I found it useful, and even, you know, I've had discussions with some of our members, and it's, it seemed useful as well there. So, stand up straight with your shoulders back. So, one thing he talks about, you know, he goes in the the story about wolves and the stories about lobsters and how they interact on a day-to-day basis and how they establish dominance and what happens is is you know like lobsters for instance go through certain phases before they initiate in battle now people like to think that you know in the animal kingdom that they just you know that these types of animals are um creatures just automatically start fighting one another well that's not necessarily the case there's always a few warnings that happen first before they actually engage in battle and eventually what happens is either one gets completely clobbered (laughs) or um you know like for lobsters for instance they will flip over on their backs and they will kind of show vulnerability and typically out of respect the other will stop and walk away now, what does that have to do with stand up straight with your shoulders back? Well, we kind of do the same things throughout our day. You know, if, if we really looked at this from a, um, a humanity standpoint, 
let's look at success. Now, research shows that success has many different, many associations with it. Now, many of us like to believe that success just comes from those who, you know, had, you know, have the resources, had the family, you know, they grew up with money and that's what led them to be successful. Well, that's not true. Um, research actually shows that over two-thirds of millionaires are self-made. Um, so that's not necessarily the case. Now, success really equals an increase in stature. Now, how do we get an increase in stature? Well, there, you know, there is research that shows that there's an increase in financial independence. You gain it's from an increase in resources. It's from an increase in network of support and from an increase in motivation. Now, where does this come from? Well, standing up with your, straight, with your shoulders back, for one, provides a posture. And that posturing is good for, you know, interacting with people on a day-to-day -day basis. If you're someone who lets people step all over you and let people take advantage of you and you don't stick up for yourself, obviously that's going to um, hurt you in the sense of just stat from a stature standpoint. But there's also some additional research that finds that these people who, those who experience now taking aside like clinical depression and all that stuff those who experience these moments of postural defeat uh they're unmotivated they kind of lose that sense of self actually there's it has a huge effect on their serotonin level now for those of you that don't know serotonin plays a big role in our how our nervous system interacts with each other but it also plays an exceptionally big role in happiness and those who you know, lack, you know, those who lack that, that stature, those who lack that ability to stand up straight, you know, hold that posture to um, contain themselves to where, you know, their interaction with other people, this can really have an effect on that serotonin level. Now, I'm not saying, I know it's, it's once we fall into a funk, it's very easy to stay in that funk. And this is something called a positive feedback loop. Now, Positive feedback loop, I know positive sounds good, but positive feedback loop, what that means is, is something happens that continuously makes something else happen, that makes something else happen, and then the cycle continues, okay? A negative feedback loop is because something happened, it's, something happened, it stopped these things from continuing. So with a positive feedback loop, what can happen is we get into this little cycle where, you know, we let one person kind of you know, step on us or, you know, there's some, there's a goal that we're striving for, or there's a situation that we're in that we're trying to overcome. And we let off the gas just a little bit and we let someone win, somebody else win, or we lose. And then with that, you know, we kind of get dropped down a couple notches. And then we just kind of eventually get this attitude where, you know, we try for something else, but now we don't have the same vigor. Now we don't have the same motivation. And then we potentially lose that one. And then, you know, we're just kind of really at this low level. So the next thing we really try to attempt, the next goal we go after, we feel like we lose that as well. So then we are stuck in this feedback loop where we just can't get out. We don't have motivation. Our anxiety goes up. Um, our sadness happens. And this is where our serotonin really starts to plummet. And how do you get back on track? Well, you have to start with that little win. You have to start moving forward. This is where gratitude becomes such a pinnacle thing for people to practice because this, again, keeps us standing up with our shoulders back. It helps us to 
continue to progress forward. It helps us to, you know, with gratitude, we see the small wins in our life. And those small wins are what lead to giant peaks. And this, again, will increase our motivation. It gets our serotonin level up. It increases our happiness. It increases our satisfaction. And we just keep moving forward and forward and forward. This will eventually lead to all the things we talked about. Your resources increase. Your network of support increases. Your motivation increases. Your stature begins to increase, and eventually it leads to success. Um, so, you know, you can utilize this in so many areas of your life, but the big thing is we need to start up by, if you get knocked down, you know, I hate to use the cliche, but if you get knocked down, you need to stand up, get your shoulders back, and keep moving forward and keep striving. So, all right, that was rule number one. Rule number two. Treat yourself like someone you are responsible for. Now, <laughs> we deal with a lot of mums on a day-to-day basis. So needless to say, this is something for all of y'all to take away. But interesting study that he mentions, um, and I actually looked up further studies into this, but um, further research to support this, but there it says that it's as low as 30, up to 50% of patients are non-compliant with their medication. So people who go to the doctor, um, and and even people who go to PT, this is also something that we've noticed, it's actually as low as 30%, but someone goes to a PT, and the PT evaluates them and gives them a home exercise program, there's a 70% chance likely that person is not doing their stuff at home. Just like someone goes to a doctor and gets prescribed a medication, there's again a 30% chance up to a 50% chance that that person is not compliant with their medication. Now, there's a few reasons behind this. Some of us don't actually believe, some of us feel like we're just being tossed around, that someone's just giving us a generic uh, fix for our quote-unquote problem. But a lot of times it's just like we just, I don't know why. I'm not really sure why. We don't feel like it's going to work. We don't really have that self-efficacy built in. Again, it could be that positive feedback loop we just talked about. But another part that's interesting is pet owners are, in addition to that, pet owners are 80% or at least 80% compliant with giving medication to their pets. So that's a 30% increase of people, you know, if, if it's 30 to 50% who are non-compliant with their own medication, but those same people are 80% more compliant to give medication to their pets, something's wrong here. Um, and we need to kind of figure out why, why exactly this happens. Now, um, the one thing about Jordan Peterson is he talks a lot about the Bible. Now, it's not that he takes religion and shoves it down your throat if you're someone who kind of strays from that. What it really is is he uses stories from the Bible to kind of illustrate his points. Um, again, there's not really a religious affiliation as there is more of a theological um, illustration in it, but... He uses the story of Adam and Eve. And so with Adam and Eve, you know, as the story goes, is um, God has creates the tree of life, tells Adam and Eve that they have power over all, like, all of, over everything. Um, just the one thing that they cannot eat from the tree of life. Well, um, Eve at one point, and now, granted, they're both naked, but they don't realize they're naked. Like, they're completely happy, pleasant, you know, completely satisfied with where God has placed them. Well, Eve gets uh, deceived by a serpent, which we later find out is the devil, um, at least some believe, and she eats 
a piece of fruit from the forbidden tree. Then Eve goes to Adam, tells her that it's okay. The serpent told her it's okay. They both take, he takes a bite of it as well. Then they both realize that they're naked. They feel shameful. They feel guilt. And then so on and so forth. Now, the reason being he tells the story is we, as humans, we, throughout our day, we tend to, throughout our life, we tend to make decisions. And then what happens is we make those decisions and then we feel guilty for those decisions. Rather than just learning from those decisions and then letting it go and then moving forward, we actually just put ourselves in this mindset of, well, I did wrong again. Again, going back to that positive feedback we talked about earlier. But, you know, it's the same with a diet. You know, someone's like, oh, tried this diet and failed again. Oh, you know, tried to get this promotion but failed again. Oh, you know, trying to really change my child who's having a drug addiction, but there they go again. And we, we put ourselves in this guilt. We make ourselves responsible for all of this. And so... Instead of us really reflecting on ourselves and how we can better things, we tend to just put our attention somewhere else. It's a lot easier to find someone else's faults and how you're going to help them than it is for you to take care of your own crap. You know, um, again, going back to the Bible, it talks about you know how you know don't put out the speck in my eye whenever that you know you have a plank in yours. So we get very, very much into a victim mentality that we, you know, we don't deserve this, we don't deserve to be happy, we don't deserve to have these great friends, we don't deserve to have the resources, the network, the support, and so we kind of just are up in arms. And, you know, he makes a point that this might stem back from our, you know, Adam and Eve origin, depending on your beliefs, that that kind of changes across the board, but... Um, it's really the fact is we don't truly feel like we're worth it. Like we don't feel like we're worth that attempt. We're worth that effort to better ourselves. And trust me, I see it on a day-to-day basis that we interact with people who come in here who have tried and tried and tried and they've just, again, they've kind of just given up. And then you talk with them and you really start to dig out that they're like, I just, I don't feel like I can make this progress. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I'm never going to be able to do this. Never going to be that. Never going to like exercise. Never going to like eating healthy. Never going to like, you know, I'm just going to worry about my kids and worry about my husband and worry about my parents because that's what I can quote unquote control. Like, you know, and again, you can see how this victim mentality really sets in. And in reality, we need to treat ourselves like someone that we are responsible for. You know, if your parents are go to a doctor and they're told by that doctor they need to take this medication, they need to walk a certain amount of time a day, they need to drink this amount of water, eat this amount of food, you are going to make damn sure that they do that. It's the same thing with your kids. If, you know, as your kids are growing up, I, I've seen parents, young parents around my age, who do more research on how to take care of their kids than they have ever done research about how to take care of themselves. Now, granted, your kids are, they're vulnerable. You're, you know, they are very dependent on you. So you have to be that way. But at the same time, who made the rule up that we have to take care of them? You know, even, even like some of the jobs we have, we might strive and do way more for our boss than we actually do for our, for our partner because we're trying to improve the boss because the boss is someone that we feel like we have to because that's what's going to help us succeed in life. When in reality, 
you know, everything starts at home. And this is actually a rule that we'll go over later. But, you know, take a step back here and just kind of look at how you treat yourself and look at how you treat the people around you. And if you treat people around you better than you treat yourself, you're becoming those 50%. And we want you to become over that 80% that, you know, will give yourself medication before you give your pets the medication. I didn't mean that. Your pets definitely need their medication. But um, So rule number two, treat yourself like someone you're responsible for. Rule number three, make friends with people who want the best for you. Okay, Now, y'all are out there like, no, duh, of course you do that. All right, let's play a little game here. So I want you to think about your friends. Now, how many of your friends have you been friends with since you were, you know, in, in kindergarten or friends since you were in middle school or friends since you were in high school? Now, most of you out there are probably at least 30 years old, if not older. Now, that's, that's a long time. You think about that. That's, that's at least 15 years that you've had that friendship. Now, the thing is, and this is going to hurt a few people saying this, but are you really friends with those people because they have your best interest? Or are you friends with those people because you've always just been friends? Nina and I have this joke with some of our friends. It's like, you know, curious if, and granted, like we love our friends. We we are very loyal to our friends. But there's like, it's funny because you think about it, you're like, I wonder, because, so my wife, for instance, my wife and her best friend, they've been friends since, you know, and granted, like she's an awesome friend. We love her to death. But one one time they had the conversation where they, you know, she brought up, do you think if we met now, we'd become friends again? Like we'd be friends. And it was just like, hmm, I don't know. And that's a very interesting question to ask. And many times, no, because it was just a situation you're in. And then you gain these close ties and you're just like, well, we've always been friends. So I don't ever want to let them down. Again, kind of goes back to rule number two. You know, you just, you want to care about them so much. You don't want, you want to make sure you take care of them. You feel obligated to take care of them because you've been friends for so long. But, you know, the problem with these past friends is what if they don't grow with you? Not saying that, you know, we have to um, take out, you know, take out sticks and see like who has more here and see who's succeeding and who hasn't, who's better than the other. But at the same time, like if you're looking at your friends and you're the one at the top, which is typically what happens. Research does show that um, we are typically, we typically try to put ourselves at the, the, the hierarchy, the pinnacle of our friends because A, again, it puts us back in that caregiver mode where it's like, all right, we're top and we take care of them. But also because we want to feel more secure. We want to feel like we are... No, I don't want to say better than people because that sounds terrible, but that is what happens. We tend to, you know, we tend to want to be at the top of the list. No one wants to look at one friend, you know, no one wants to go visit their friend who's in this big this big house and has all this money and has all this happy, happiness and be around them and then, you know, go back to their place because that's where we get insecure. We become insecure. So, you know, present friends a lot of times our present friends are kind of where we're at now it's you know the moms that we just mom down the street that we just kind of grew up with or it's the you know the 
the college boy or the college boys that you know we still grew up in the same area, so we're just still friends because we live in the same area. Um, or it's you go take your kid to soccer practice, and it's the dads that are there that you just interact with from a day to day basis. There's really no you know you just become friends with them because you're there. But what we really need to do is we need to find friends who are healthy, inspiring, and lift you up. Now, again, I kind of go back to that one example of we don't want that friend who's, you know, the, the hierarchy, but, you know, the hierarchy of all is who's above us. But that's, if that friend lifts you up, if that friend inspires you, then that's not a bad thing. You know, studies show that a lot of times our fitness, and when I say fitness, I mean like how, you know, how we live, our, our overall health and wellness, I should say. So like our, our our physical fitness, our mental fitness, our body, all of that stuff is really impacted by the people who we're surrounded with. And, you know, they, they found that a diet can really be impacted by the people that you hang out with. Your, um, your overall health and wellness can be affected by the people that you hang out with. And so... You know, you need to make sure that you find the right friends who are doing this for you. If you're around friends who aren't doing this for you, who aren't helping you grow, I'm sorry, but you need to start looking for those future friends because your past friends and your present friends just aren't doing it for you. Now, you know, realize that if if you're if you have kids or whatever, and your kids have a group of friends, don't make it awkward being like, I ain't going over there. I hate I hate Billy's dad. You know, but obviously. When you have a really close tie with people, you need to make sure that they are, again, the people who are making you feel healthy, inspired, and lift you up. Um, there's, you know, and there's Jim Rohn made, had the saying that you're the average of the five people you hang out with. Now, the, he's talking really about people who are really striving for success, you know, but in reality, like, we're we might even be lower than the five people we hang out with just because the average brings us down. So something to think about. Something else to think about. So there's the example of crabs. So if you put crabs in a bucket, they are never going to come out of the bucket, and this is why. Because crabs have a tendency that if you put them in a bucket and one figures out how to crawl up, the other ones will pull the crab back down because... They do not want a crab to escape the bucket. They want to keep the crab down where they are. And a lot of times in life, we do this too. You know, <laughs> there's this, I can't remember what book it was. It was, it was uh, a psychology book I was reading. But when you interact with people, people are going to mirror exactly what you say to them. So if someone goes to you, you know, oh, how's your day going? And you say, oh, gee, or how's, how's things going? How's life going? You're like, oh, it's great, you know, and my boy's doing this, my girl's doing this, um, you know, my, my wife's doing this, business is great, all's great. That person is now going to try to equate with you, if not one-up with you, about how their life is going. They might be completely lying, but because you just gave them such a positive response, they feel like they have to live up to that. On the flip side, if you if someone asks, how's things going, you say, oh, it's miserable, my my wife and I aren't doing so well. You know, the kids just don't want to talk to me. Work just sucks. The other person is more likely to 
kind of do the same thing. Like you're going to bring out them venting. You're going to bring out them saying, oh, I, I feel you. The wife and I aren't blah, blah, blah. And then it goes down that road. Now, at the same time, there's also a little bit of research that someone will try to one-up you a little bit. So, you know, someone won't try to like just pound you in the dirt. So if you talk about how terrible your life is, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I feel you there. You know, life, life's not bad. Life's not bad. And then they won't talk about it. You know, no one's going to be like, just because you told, said life's terrible, oh, that sucks for you because life's great for me. Um, so again, this is like, this is things that we really have to think about. And so, you know, again, really reassess who you surround yourself with and you want to make friends with people who want the best for you, you know, not who wants you to stay with them because a lot of times that will happen. So I know I always do three takeaways at the end, but because this is such a longer podcast with part one and part two, um, for my three takeaways here, uh, for the first three, and we're going to do four, three take, you know, four, three key takeaways throughout this, is takeaway number one is, you know, always try to learn, recover, and keep moving forward. Don't let the positive feedback loop seep into where you let one quote-unquote failure and here here at inner strength we call them grows they're not failures you don't fail at things you just grow you learn um and so make everything a grow and learn and motivate number two is you know start treating yourself really like what it says treat yourself like someone you're responsible for don't neglect yourself because you want to stay in that victim mentality Lift yourself up. And then number three is don't be afraid to find new friends who are going to, um, who are going to improve your health, inspire, and lift you up. All right. So now we're going to move on to rule number four. And this rule is compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Now, I know we can just listen to this role and be like, well, no crap. We kind of already know this, right? At least this is posted on every self-help post, Instagram, book nowadays is to compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to someone else today. But obviously, we're going to dive a little bit closer into this today. So um, one thing the author, you know, Jordan Peterson mentions right out of the gates is no matter how good you are at a certain skill, talent, job, there's always someone better. Now, again, we kind of already know this, but something I want you to think about here is, yes, that is the case, but the problem that we have whenever we compare ourselves to other people is that we compare our cards to their cards, okay? And a lot of times we look at our biggest card compared to their biggest card. And what I mean by that is, you know, for for us, we might be like, all right, well, I'm in, so for instance, like I'm in finance, this person's in finance, why are they making a lot more money than I am? Why do they seem happier than I am? Or, um, you know, like in the fitness realm, you know, like, well, I'm a, I'm a trainer, I'm a coach, this person's a trainer and a coach, how come they have a multi-million dollar business and I'm sitting here struggling every day? Um, and it, it could be the same for anything, even as a teacher, you know, um, you know, it could be all in-house, it doesn't even have to be on social media. You know, we've been here the same amount of time. You know, how come everyone loves them more than they love me? And it, 
one thing to consider is that again we're, we're comparing cards and sometimes you're comparing apples to oranges and what I mean by that is you know like I could look at somebody and say all right well they, they're just better than me well no that's not necessarily true yes in certain skill sets they might be they might have better communication skills they might have better analytical skills they might have better skills with numbers but don't underestimate your own skills you know you might be very good with people you might be good at you know kind of seeing the future like seeing what exactly is going to go wrong in a situation you might be great at you know seeing a vision and seeing and using your passion to really uncover the future for yourself and your company you might be a great parent like you might be very good with children and so and that's the thing like you might have a strength that's superior to a lot of other people um you know for instance as a uh using a general field heel here let's say um let's say as a writer let, let's say in marketing like you might be someone who works in marketing um you know you write emails you design websites stuff like that um you might look at what you do and just compare that entire picture to somebody else and that's always the problem the the solution is that you need to look at your specific skill set and maybe look at someone who has a really good skill set that you see you know so for instance like me i love positively influencing other people i enjoy being able to help lift other people up and grow so because of that one person that i really look towards is Tony Robbins. I like Tony Robbins because it's for someone who doesn't have a complete background in the field, like meaning like he didn't go to school for that necessarily, but he's a lifelong learner. For someone like that, he is able to communicate well with people and really pull out of them the strength that they need. However, you know, my work ethic, and I'm not saying he doesn't have a work ethic, but like the work ethic side of me, the person that's just like, you know, plows away and loves to just feel the stress and strain of the situation. That's why I like The Rock because despite all of the things that he goes through, he still has that charisma. He still has that positive attitude and that positive influence. And so it's like you need to find those specific areas you're really good at. And yeah, maybe there is someone out there who's better than you at that one specific skill. But, you know, for instance, just like Tony Robbins, he multi-million, you know, going on a billion dollar, you know, the guy makes that much a year. He, he loves his life. He's had a great influence. But there are certain things that he's not good at that somebody else is. And so that's something I really want you to think about. Now, whenever it comes to, you know, being in, on, in this journey, in this journey of bettering ourselves, whether it is financially, whether it's mentally, spiritually, uh, physically, I've, I've come across people who use the saying, when 10 years, it won't matter. And granted, that's not, a bad, I, that's not a bad thought to have in certain situations. So like for instance, if you're having a fight with your, your partner and you guys are just really, you know, you're, you're being completely stubborn, you're not giving way to your side, you really have to think to yourself, in 10 years, in five years, in a year, in a couple months, is this is this fight really going to matter? Like, is what we're fighting over really going to matter? But some people like to use this as an excuse to not really excel. When well, ten years, it's not going to matter anyhow. Or in in thirty years, I'll be dead, so it won't really matter anyhow. 
And the author describes this as kind of irrelevant and really a cheap trick because we can kind of look – we can look at any time scale. You know, it, it, We can say in a, in a thousand years – like for instance, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, you know, big part of Apple. People you know, continue to talk highly of Steve Jobs. In 200 years, he might not matter and he really matters nowadays. You know, like um, Elon Musk is huge right now, is, you know, really leading the industry right now. In a hundred years, shit, fifty years, he might not even matter. You just don't know. And again, this is the cheap trick we tell ourselves. And we have to realize that you know life is full of games, and games are about wins and losses. Now, again, we don't really like to use losses; we like to use grows. But that's where you know your growth really happens is figuring out what areas of your life that you're not fully succeeding. And again. Showing your cards, seeing what your low, you know, what the your low cards are in your deck, and then figuring out ways to bring those up a little bit, but yet still look at your higher cards and figuring out what grows do you have going on that you can continue to excel and and, and raise the level on those. And you know something else that Jordan brought up in this too is is how we, you know, along with this, how we compare the past, the present, to the future, and. You know, we always look at the present as lacking. You know, something that Tony Robbins brings up is you have to be happy in the present. That's that's where true happiness is in the present. The, the past and the future is where we kind of lose ourselves. And we look at the future and think it's going to be better in the future. Well, and then this kind of contours in our mind. Again, Jordan is a clinical psychologist, so there's a lot of psychology with this. But kind of contorts this and he says, you know, in reality, the past and the future are fixed, meaning that the past happened, nothing's going to change. The future is already the future. And that sounds weird. We're, <laughs> we're really diving down a philosophical road here, but the future is kind of already fixed. You know, if you're a person of faith, a lot of people believe that, you know, like God, for instance, like Christianity, that God already knows the beginning, the middle, and the end. He already knows what's going to happen at the end. And... Because the ends kind of already happened. And it's in between there of how we react to things. But we look at the future. The future is fixed, but we think, oh, the future can be changed. Well, in reality, you know, we need to use the past only for learning circumstances, not for guilt, not to bring ourselves down, not to think about who we used to be and how bad we used to be. But we need to use the past as strictly as lessons only. We use those lessons now in the present but in a positive way to continue growing. And then eventually that's going to lead to a future that's going to be what it's going to be. But all you need to do is focus on what you can do now. And he ends the, the chapter with talking about, you know, we need to ask ourselves three questions with comparing ourselves to who we are today and comparing ourselves to who we were yesterday. And these questions are simply, what is bothering me? What is keeping you from being happy today? You need to figure out what that is first. After you figure that out, then you need to ask yourself, can I fix it? Can you actually fix the problem that's going on? Is this in your control? Because many things that we com complain about, that we really, you know, that gives us the daunting troubles of our days is really just stuff that we can't fix, that we can't control. You know, you can't control weather. You can't control traffic. You can't control if someone gets sick. 
And a lot of times, unfortunately, with business, you can't control a lot of things either as much as we try to. And it's all in what you can do right now that's going to better yourself, better those around you, and potentially set your future up for better success. And then above all, do you actually want to fix it? You know, what is bothering you? Can you fix it? But do you actually want to? Because, you know, we have this um, thing in our mastermind groups called GWC. So do they get it? They want it? um, And then can they see it? And it's really about, you know, do like, do that, you know, do they get it? Do they get what's what needs to happen? Do they get what's so important about job? Do they want it? Do they actually want to be a part of that? And then, you know, can they do it? And that's something you need to ask yourself too. So, um, my big takeaway, you know, here, and we'll kind of go more, but again, just compare yourself to who you were yesterday, but do it realistically and don't, don't do it in a sense of where you're just using cheap tricks and irrelevancy to, you know, talk yourself down from trying to achieve bigger things. Um, just again, don't compare your deck to somebody else's. Realize that you each have a card that's higher than the other person's, and it's just you need to find people who inspire you with those cards. All right, rule number five do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. I personally really love this chapter, and that's obviously because I'm a newer dad. You know, my son is still growing. They're always still growing, right? But, you know, he's in a toddler phase now, so it's really important that we, you know, establish discipline with him, that we establish order with him because, you know, as Jordan mentions it, this is a time now where children are very aggressive, they're very expressive, and they explore. And they do this to establish dominance. And so it was really cool to read this chapter. And Obviously, you know, some of you out there either don't have children or either your children are grown up, but I want to really try to help this chapter to where you can utilize it in your own life. But first, fun fact. Did you know that Genghis Kong attributes 8% of the population in Central Asia? That's 16 million people that started because of one person. Now, this isn't, you know, a, a good fun fact, I guess, uh, you know, but same point. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that one person. Um, you know, and and he goes on. Jordan goes on to talk about more stats with that, and how there's other people, um, you know, years before that who contribute to even more of Central Asia. So it's just it's crazy to think that. But anyhow, um, what's that have to do with this? Can't remember to be completely honest with you, but I thought it was a, it blew my mind. So, but. Again, going back to how, you know, aggression, expression, and exploring, how children do that for dominance. And we need to realize that we do the same thing. Now, granted, we're not stealing toys from a kid, although you could argue that some people do something similar. Um, We're not stealing toys. We're not yelling no all the time. We're not throwing things. We're not running to the cupboard despite our parents telling us not to. We're not doing things like that, but... We do, you know, we do interact with people with arrogance, with mistrust, harshly, you know, even if we don't want to try to, you know, we can be deceitful and we can be angry and we can argue. And 
you know, we have to kind of treat ourselves almost like what we do our children. And we have to realize why we do. So, again, your child, don't, you never, you know, one thing they always tell you is with your kid, don't ever take things personally. Because your kid isn't, per, isn't doing this personally because they hate you. They don't say, I hate you because they actually hate you. They yell and they, they become aggressive with this because they're trying to establish dominance. They're, try, they're very insecure of who they are and they're trying to figure out who they are as a person. But we, we do this on a day-to-day basis. You know, when is the last time you talked with someone who disagreed with you? Let me just leave it there. When is the last time you actually talked with someone who disagreed with you? And actually talked with them, not yelled back and forth. Now, in that same situation, let's say you are one of the few people out there who actually talked with someone who disagrees with you. When did you walk away from that conversation shaking your head saying, oh, I cannot believe they think that way? Or they're just, they're just ignorant. They don't even know. Or, you know, how naive. Well, that's arrogance. That's arrogance because you yourself are thinking that you know more and understand more than what they do. At the same time, distrust, mistrust. You know, how much do we go out our day and don't actually trust people? I mean – to be entirely honest with you, like I don't watch a lot of the news. Like I don't glue myself to the news every day because I don't really trust a lot of what they tell us. Um, and that's just a sense of because there's bias with each and every one. Now, I'm not saying news all by itself is wrong, but there is a lot that goes into that to where they're trying to pull you in from a marketing standpoint. And I don't really want to be pulled in <laughs> to, to something that I don't really know completely anything about. But you see it a lot with politics. You know, you see a lot of mistrust with politics. Harsh. People are harsh. I mean, it's very – you. if you go out to eat, you can look around and you can find at least one table where people are harsh, where people are pissed off. You know, they're angry. They'll probably leave a terrible tip. I mean, if you ask any bartender or waitress, I guarantee in one night they get like from one group people like – barely any tip even though they might have done their best and they might have you know illustrated great service it could have been something stupid that happened that they're unaware of that they didn't get a tip for deceitful you know we will keep things from our partner we'll tell little white lies because we don't want to hurt them and you know deceitfulness is not necessarily just us trying to you know it's not infidelity is not always the reason here um you know, it could be simply the fact of we're just trying not to hurt someone's feelings or we feel like we are doing the best thing by being deceitful. And then, you know, angry. I mean, we're, we all get angry at times, right? Especially nowadays. Nowadays, I've heard more anger from people that these past past two years. I've heard, you know, about – I've heard more hatred from people than I have – up until then and it's it boggles my mind nowadays but again it all comes back to we have to treat ourselves like we do, you know like we do our children and if you don't have children if you have pets it's the same thing but even the people around you you know we have to understand that if you have if you're if you have some sort of authority in in your in business or in your career or in your work and everybody has some sort of authority, right? Um, even the even the waitress, the wait a waitress has authority 
with her customers. Now, granted, yes, the customers are always right when it comes to service, but she has authority because she is leading it because if she does something wrong or right, it really affects the table. Okay, So if the customer does something wrong or right, she can easily change that situation to make it better. So understand your authority, and at the same time, you need to not be aggressive. You need to not be arrogant. You need to not be distrustful, harshful, deceitful if you are in a leading position, if you are leading other people. And finally, you know, understand we talked about earlier the positive feedback loop. Now, granted, that was a little bit more talking about it psychologically to where it could lead to negative outcomes. But um, he talked, you know, Jordan talks about B.F. Skinner, who B.F. Skinner was a psychologist, clinical um, or a, a research psychologist who did a lot on reward on behavior, and he looked a lot on like positive feedback in the sense of or negative feedback. So if someone does something and they give you the appropriate behavior you're looking for, then you reward them. And when you reward them, then they, you, you're hoping that they keep doing this. Well, again, we need to treat ourselves and even other people like this. Now, I'm not saying don't, <laughs> don't, be, don't patronize people by going to the office with donuts and being like, if you do your job, I'll give you a donut. No, I'm not talking like that. But what I mean is, you know, celebrate little wins and with yourself or with other people if they perform the desired behavior they want to know about it believe like one thing that we do here that i learned from um from disney from one uh an old president of disney is that i whenever someone does something right here i write it on a post note and i give it to them and the reason being that people like that stuff they like that positive reinforcement that they should keep doing that action it makes them feel good and don't be you know, do that with other people, but do it with yourself too. If you are in a situation, if if you are making a big life change right now, you know, pat yourself on the back when you do something right. Give yourself a little reward. I'm not saying you should go to you know the the ice cream shop down the street and get to start your diet tomorrow, ice cream Sunday. Um, you know, whenever you do two days worth of a good diet. But what I'm saying is, you know, talk talk nicely to yourself. Do some self-care things. You know, if you're like my wife, my wife's big self-care thing is she loves to get her nails done, you know, every every few weeks. Things like that, you know. And again, just like your children, just like your dogs, just like employees, you are reinforcing good behavior. And you like to think that you're manipulating. It's not manipulating. It's exactly what you, what needs to happen. So, um, rule number five, do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. And honestly, don't do anything that's going to make you (laughs) um, unlikable either. All right, now we're going to move on to rule number six. So, rule number six is set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Again, it's one thing about this book. This book is really good. It's interesting because he has a lot of um, anecdotes where – you know, with people that he's worked with, uh, with his own personal experiences. And it's funny because sometimes you forget what the rule of the chapter is because he goes off on little diatribes. But, like, you can just go by these rules and, and they're great in themselves. So rule number six, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Another fun fact, or interesting fact, I should say. 
Research shows majority of people who are abused when children do not commit the same crime themselves whenever they are older towards their own children or others. So, the reason being I wanted to include this in here, and we'll kind of go a little bit more down the road, but um, we tend to blame a lot of what happens on the past. And I again, I covered this in Rule Four, but you know, a lot of our, our a lot of our blame is on the past us, past failures, past things we've tried and failed at, past things we've attempted to do and it didn't work out. And in reality, you know, like this research shows you that even people who went through something so traumatic and so terrible as being abused managed to overcome that when they were older to not do the perform you know do the same act themselves and again my big point of this and is you know don't let your past completely destroy your future and we're going to go a little bit more into this so um another point that he brings up is is hurricane so a hurricane is an act of god failure to prepare to for a hurricane though is failure to act again we like to criticize the world and blame other things. So one thing, you know, and I brought this up a little bit at the beginning in Rule 1, but in Rule 2. But we like to, you know, for instance, he, he brings up, again, he uses a lot of, uh, a lot of biblical um, references with this. And again, it's not, more, it's not more from a religious standpoint. It's more from a storytelling, parable, theological standpoint. But... Um, People who argue against a god, for instance, and again, I'm, I'm not using preference either way, but he used this example in the book is that people always say, you know, well, if there is a god, then how come there's sick children? How come good people die? How come not so good people live forever? You know, what is the reason for this? And we, be, we blame that. We blame a certain being. We blame a certain thing. We blame a hurricane. And in reality, we cannot blame a hurricane, but whenever we ourselves fail to act, fail to prepare, um, fail to prep ourselves for those situations. Because a lot of times, we end up just reacting. We end up just reacting to the world. We end up just reacting to the things around us. And in reality, we have to clean up ourselves in our own mind before we start criticizing the world around us. You know, a lot of, you know, people will blame the world. Um... Ooh, I'm trying to think. I can't remember who said it now, but um, there was a saying once that if you want to change the world, start at home. Start in your own home. And I love this saying because people tend to go out, criticize the world, criticize people on social media, criticize um, political leaders, criticize leaders in general, criticize their neighbor, but yet their house is not so well put together. And he really goes into a point here with like how – so for instance, there's this boy and this boy goes to his mom and he says, mom, he goes, I have a dragon under the bed. And his mom's like, no, you don't. No, you don't, son. It's just, it's just your imagination. It's just your nightmares. Like there is no dragon under the bed. So a little bit – you know, eventually the dragon starts to grow a little bit from into where his head starts to stick out. And he says, mom, mom. See, I have a dragon under the bed. And mom's like, no, you don't. We talked about this. It's just your imagination. There is no dragon. Well, eventually, because of the doubt, the dragon continues to grow, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows almost the size of the bedroom. And the mom would come in to clean, and she's 
going around the dragon, and the boy's like, Mom, how can you not see the dragon? It's literally right in front of you. And the mom's like, Billy, we talked about this. There is no dragon. Please stop. Well, eventually, the dragon is growing throughout the house to where the mom is unable to clean. She's unable to go around. And finally, Billy goes, Dad, he's like, Dad, I, there's a dragon in the house. I keep telling Mom she won't listen. Can you please take care of this, or can you please at least address her as a dragon? And the dad looks at him, and he goes, I see what you mean, son, but I don't know if it's that big of a deal. And then he walks away. Well, the dragon keeps growing, and, and eventually the tail, the legs, everything are shooting out the windows. And the mom can't even clean anymore. Dad can't clean anymore. And the dad can't do anything anymore. And eventually Billy's like, all right, can you guys please just finally admit that there's a dragon in the house? And they both just look at him. They look at each other. They look at him again, and they walk away. And Billy's just beside himself. Finally, the dragon gets so big that it picks up the house, and it walks away. And Billy, the mom, and dad are just sitting there. And they look at each other, and the dad goes, wow. He goes, I can't believe this. And the mom goes, yeah, did you just see that dragon take our house away? And the moral of the story is, what is happening is, Billy sees something. He knows something. He understands something. He sees this interaction. But mom and dad are just sitting there, and they're, in, they're denying. They're in denial of this dragon that's in the house. They're in denial of how things are being affected by this dragon. And the, the big theme behind this is the fact that, like, the mom and dad, they have their own issues. There might be, you know, there might be an affair going on there, but they just kind of live, you know, go throughout their day. They don't address it. They don't address each other. They don't communicate about it. And again, they, it's complete neglect. And what he's saying here is that we tend to do the same thing in our own house. We tend to look at how the neighbors are doing something, you know, they painted their door a weird color or Someone down the street is putting up a huge house, but, but we know, like, he's cheating on them. Or on social media, it's like, well, so-and-so is on vacation again. I don't know how they afford it. He's only this and she's only that. And we do all this without completely facing our own house, without completely facing our own demons first and working on them. Because a lot of times why people don't succeed in how they want to grow and be the person they want to be is because they're too busy looking at failures and criticism towards other people and other things that they fail to just address their own thing. Again, come back to what I talked about earlier. You're worried about the speck in someone else's eye, but not considering the own log in your own eye. So again, in reality, we have to clean up ourselves in our own mind before we start criticizing the world around us. And this includes ourselves. This includes our family. And this includes, you know, if you're in business, this concludes your office. Like this, this doesn't just stay in your house. You know, you need to worry about yourself and you need to make sure you are being that positive feedback, that positive reinforcement on the people around you. Because otherwise, you are just contributing to the problem. You're not, you know, you're not, you're adding to the problem. You're not contributing to the solution. All right. So I know this was a long one. Again, part two is going to be just as long. But we are not going to go throughout this without three takeaways. Now, again, I already did three takeaways with rule one through three, and I'm going to do the same with these rules. So again, to go over these rules again, rule number four was compare yourself to who you were 
yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Rule number five was do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. And rule number six is set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Now, my three takeaways here. Now, granted, like I said before, you can really just follow these rules, and those are great takeaways themselves. But I want this to be something that you can actually fulfill in your own day, use to fulfill your own day. So takeaway number one, what is bothering me? Can I fix it, and do I want to? Now, we went over this with rule number four, but it's, it's so important. You know, again, what is bothering me? What is the root, and what is the trigger of why I am in the mood I am today? or this week, or this month? Or why am I not getting things done? What is the root of the problem? What is the trigger? Can I fix it? Is it something that is actually within my control? And then finally, do I want to? You know, is this just something that somebody else is putting on me? So for instance, is this just something that your partner, or your kids, or your friend, or your parents, is this just something that they keep putting on you? and you actually don't want to fix, it's just they're trying to put their own problem on you. So for instance, if you're a grandmother and you can't get anything done because your children are constantly depending on you to watch their children, and granted, you love your grandchildren, but you have your own life too, well, you don't want to like actually fix their problems of what they're going through. You, need, you want to fix what, how it's impacting you. So takeaway number two, Understand our own tendency to be arrogant, mistrust, be deceitful, and angry. So, again, look at your own self in the world and as far as, as are you being arrogant? You know, whenever you're interacting with people on a day-to-day basis, are you being arrogant about your own opinions towards theirs, your own beliefs towards theirs, your own experiences towards theirs? Are you being distrustful? Um, now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying be naive. But at the same time, like, don't just be distrustful. Just because, don't be one of those people that's like, you got to earn my respect. Because, again, that's kind of, in a sense, in my opinion, that's kind of being a little narcissistic, but also being entitled. Because when you say they need to earn your respect, that means you don't need to earn theirs. Um, you know, don't you know, don't be deceitful. You know, don't justify your your reasons for being deceitful and quit just quit being angry. It doesn't help anyhow. And then takeaway number three, clean up your mind and quit blaming your past self in the world. So clean up your own mind, clean up your own act, clean up what you were doing, only control, only figure out what you can control and then take care of that. Quit blaming what you did in the past, quit blaming how you were brought up, quit blaming your failures, quit blaming what you don't know, quit blaming the world around you, quit blaming gas prices, quit blaming who's in office right now quit blaming you know that you live in a a beat up town whatever it is just quit blaming it quit blaming that clean up yourself clean up your act clean up your mind and just make the necessary changes that you need to because that is where the true magic starts and that is how you change the world around you Guys, thank you so much. I know, again, I know this was a little bit longer, especially when it was just me talking. Um, But hope you took a lot of value from this. Next week, we are going to go over rules 7 through 12. And if you really like this, please let me know. Please comment. Um, Would love to hear your feedback because personally, I want to help, you know, use the things that I've learned from to help you do the same thing. So love you guys so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.
Bye. Thank you all for checking out this week's episode of the Healthy Fit and Pain-Free Podcast. If you would like more content that is easily implementable and no BS, you can join our Facebook page at Healthy Fit and Pain-Free Podcast. Uh, to learn more about Inner Strength, visit our website at innerstrengthpgh.com or you can simply email us, us at info at innerstrengthpgh.com. We have two locations in Pittsburgh right now. One is our West location in Coriopolis slash Robinson, PA. And our second location, which just recently opened, is in the South in Lawrence, PA, in the southern part of Pittsburgh. We also partner up with K-Specific Nutrition. They are a locally owned business full of dietitians, registered credentialed dietitians who can help you with just general nutrition, sports needs, and also medical information. You can also contact me at Tyler at innerstrengthpgh.com or check me out on social media at dr.tyler underscore Bordick. Thank you all again. We'll see you on next week's episode.